illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heinrich Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heinrich Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of Thermodynamic Lipid Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beege. Beege, how in the heck are you doing this fine day? Dude, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did get in and out, so that made my day. Nice. So I had I had a double double, no tomato, cheese fry, and a large vanilla strawberry shake. Oh, nice, 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 nice. That was pretty good. You like that shake vanilla strawberry? I do. Shake was a little thick though. It took you know you ever have to work so hard on your 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 sucking muscles in your mouth to try to get the Kinda stuff through your cheeks. Yeah, and then after you're done, you're like, really, was it worth it? Because they're mm. sore now. Yeah. yeah. Gunny is a big fan of the black and white shake. Really? Yeah. Chocolate and vanilla. Like, that's his. Yeah, favorite. I feel like I, I feel like we should be singing a Michael Jackson song at this point. There you go. Yeah. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk Beaver sports, tailgating, and anything else we find interesting every week, and just generally mess around. Um, I want to remind everyone: you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast, and any other podcatcher you might like. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com at Heinrich Tailgater on Twitter, and also check out Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. All right, Bees, are you ready to talk some Pac-12 football news? Ooh, this is some big news, isn't it, Billy? Well, yeah, just after uh, last week, we we got an update. Pac-12 presidents and chancellors last Thursday voted to play a seven-game conference football schedule beginning on Friday, November 6th, and culminating with a conference championship game on December 18th. Which now, be, what's our what's which our will normal be just in time to be included in the college football playoff discussion? Ooh, okay. Yeah. What's uh, what's our normal conference schedule? How many teams do we typically play in the conference? Um, we normally play nine. Okay. 
12 games total, three non-conference, nine conference. Most okay. other conferences play four out of conference and eight conference. Okay. Except for maybe the Big Ten, I think, might have changed. But this is still going to be a north and a south thing, so as long as the... No, we'll go through this here, okay? So with the Pac-12's okay. decision, every Power 5 conference has now committed to playing this fall, and all of them will end their seasons before the college football playoff selection day on December 20th, when the 13-member selection committee chooses the top four teams in the country. Now, Pac-12 uh, Pac teams can transition to 20 hours per week of countable athletic activities, although not every team is in the same stage of preseason preparation. Commissioner Larry Scott said some programs still need to clear state and or local regulations to begin full practices with large groups congregating and ultimately with contact. Now, daily antigen testing from Quiddle Corporation is coming soon, although those conducting the testing still must receive formal training and clearance before the process can fully operate, said Dr. Doug Ackerman, Oregon State uh, Senior Associate Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine and the Chair of the Pac-12 Student Athlete Health and Well-Being Initiatives. Now, with this beach, no fans will be allowed at any games on Pac-12 campuses, but conference officials will revisit the decision in early January. Well, isn't that a little late? Well, no, because this is for all sports at this point. Okay, so no fans in for football for sure. Yes. Maybe baseball if we're lucky. Maybe basketball after the first of the year. Okay. Um, in the Pac-12, Colorado is unable to practice for two weeks because the county of Boulder last Thursday, just hours before the presidents met, issued a prohibition on gatherings among university students between 18 and 22 years old. Call they know how to ruin a wet dream, don't they? I just don't understand that. I don't understand how you can aim it at a group a group of of people like that. I, I, I yeah, that that's targeting. It's completely targeting. Yeah. I, what I say, and this well, is good. Know, this this goes we, for a lot of things that the government does. If it's good enough for one, it's good enough for all. Mm -hmm. Don't do carve outs. Well, if you're going to do something, I, this is why it's 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 bull crap in my opinion. If you're gonna if it's good enough for one, it's good enough for all. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just think that's crap. Well, I was just thinking, you know, Orange County's fighting really hard against uh, California, the state of California mm -hmm. to allow themselves to open up. Oh, yeah. And and I was thinking about that today. My mind wanders when I drive or do other stuff. And, and I thought, you know, President Trump cut off air travel. And while he wanted to influence the states, he gave the states which they had the authority to dictate. Mm -hmm. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's best to be controlled locally than by somebody in a far off place making decisions for you. Correct. Right. Correct. OK. So rather than President Trump making decisions for everybody, he's like, no, the states can do that. So really wouldn't have been made more responsible if the states then said, I'm going to handle authority over to the counties so that they can make their own decisions on I, how they're going to operate. Well, and I here's, agree with here's our basic here's our basic state guidelines. But I'm going to let the counties make their own decision because it's not my job to be a dictator. And well, the people and, are smart enough. They can do their own thing. Well, and that's what I talked about with my employees because they were saying about all this stuff. And this is back like in, in, in April. And I was like, well, you know, Multnomah County, the way Multnomah County is doing stuff isn't necessarily the same way 
Harney County should be doing something mm-hmm. or Lake Absolutely. County should be doing something. Yeah. Well, and some of the rules are such BS. I know like one of them is like, well, when we get a percentage that's below this point, then we'll open up. Okay. Yeah. Then test everybody. Because well, the more you test, the lower that percentage is going to go. Well, it's like more. it's like people were freaking out. I live in Polk County, and people were freaking out, going, "We've had a huge spike." Yeah, we did. We went up a hundred percent. We went. They from went from one to two. two. Yeah, huge, huge spike. Oh my God, we're all gonna die! Yeah. No, this was a couple of weeks ago because I was just laughing. Anyways, let's get back to this thing. So now, Beach, okay. all twelve teams. We'll so what play. does that mean about bowl? So what does that mean about? Uh, okay, you know what? Why don't you let me speak, okay. and you listen, uh, and then you'll learn. Wow, don't be such a dick. <laughs> All twelve teams will play seven games, with six games coming before the Pac-12 title game on December eighteenth. December eighteenth. Now everyone will play the five teams in their division, plus a crossover divisional game. All six will count towards the standings. Now, Larry Scott said there was a discussion about not including the crossover game towards the Sandings as a way to preserve some competitive equity, but ultimately they decided it was important for every game to matter. Now, once that title game is set from the champion of the North against the champion of the South, the other 10 teams will play an additional game against a team from the opposite division that same weekend. So they'll, they'll play six games. You'll have the two division winners, they'll play, and then the other ten will play each other two that weekend. So everyone plays seven games. Gotcha. Now, Beach, this also means don't rule out the Pac-12, even with a seven-game schedule that starts November 6th for the college football playoff. Now, because the college football playoff management committee, which is comprised of ten football bowl subdivision commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick, has not yet set any cutoff dates for starting a season or determined a minimum number of games that have to be played to qualify for a semifinal. That doesn't mean the committee won't, but it doesn't have to right now. Right? So everything's still on the table at this point. Gotcha. Now, now, since the commissioners determined the playoff protocol, and they are also working in the best interests of their respective conferences, it would make sense to wait longer to see how many disruptions there are through at least mid-November before setting any definitive benchmarks. So if a team in the Pac-12 were to finish 7-0 and and another college football playoff contender saw its season disrupted because of virus, the Pac-12 team could be considered for a top four spot. Because, you know, what if, like, say, Alabama only plays seven games and loses one to finish 6-1, and but there's a 7-0 and Pac-12 team, right? Mm-hmm. So this way it'll yeah. kind of give them some, some wiggle room. Now, traditional fall sports such as volleyball and soccer will continue preparing for a spring season to remain in line with the adjusted NCAA championship structure. Now, Beach, also with this, Pac-12 men's and women's basketball teams can begin competition on the NCAA standard start date of November 25th and can begin practicing along the same timelines, barring issues with local or state regulations. Now, although the Pac-12 plans to increase its conference schedule from 18 to 20 games, Larry Scott said it might make sense to keep the 18-game structure for this season. Now, Scott, who spoke with basketball coaches last Thursday night, said discussions will continue around multi-team events, like a tournament, and conference games in December, and how to structure non-league schedules. He said any non-league opponents must uphold the same COVID-19 testing standards as Pac-12 teams. 
Wow. So now, did you have any other questions? Uh, well, we didn't finish up with Colorado, so they they got two weeks where they can't work out. Yes. Okay, poor bastards. Yeah. Now, um, there's also they're going to vote on it, but there's probably going to be no minimum number of wins to get a bowl game. So you don't have to have a positive or just like a positive schedule is all you need. I don't even know if you need that. So like you could be zero oh, and five and they'll take you. Or two and four, yeah, two and five. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, I doubt that'll happen, but they're probably not going to put any minimums, so mm-hmm. that that it can go. And like I told uh, Carolee at Woodstock's last week, I said, you know what? This is going to be year. The Beavs win it all and go to the Rose Bowl, and I won't be able to freaking go and watch the damn thing. Probably. <laughs> that's why my luck goes. You know, that, that's what. That's the kind of luck we have. Yeah, she was laughing you know? at me. She was laughing at me. Yeah, we're gonna have this this stellar season, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if we do, we're still gonna go down there and tailgate. Yeah, we'll they see. Now, there's it. not gonna be any tailgating allowed on OSU property either. During the season, at all? No, you, they they won't. I wonder if they, I wonder if, if even anybody's allowed in the stadium. I don't know. I, I doubt it. I mean, like even parents or anybody? I, I don't know. I really doubt it. Um, it's been interesting Oops. to see some of the schools that are letting people in. You know, a handful of people, twenty five percent. So I just remember Jess and I were watching a game on Saturday and they had like, they had like the cheerleaders and they were all like six feet apart up in the stands. And it was the most weird looking thing I've ever seen. I'm like, that just looks weird. There, there, there was some sports somewhere. I don't know if it was football or what, but they had like the whole town of South park cut out. Oh, that was the Denver Broncos game yesterday. Oh, is that okay? Okay. Oh, that's funny because wasn't it the Denver Broncos that got uh, Carmen's mom pregnant? Or yeah. is it the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, it was the Denver Broncos. Yeah, because they're yeah they're they're in Colorado, South Park, Colorado. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So one of one of one of the 1985 football team or yeah. something. Yeah. Is yeah, because Car- Cartman's mom is kind of a whore. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, Beach. Dude. Dude, is that what this? It is. It is. Hold on. Let's see. Hold on. Billy. Yes, B. This, this just in. The University of Oregon unveiled its new video screen being installed at Autzen Stadium on Monday. At 12,276 square feet, it will be 1,446 square feet larger than the current largest screen, which is in, uh, which is in Auburn. Uh, largest screen in college football, which is at Auburn. Sorry. Really? Yes. So while the Ducks can spend $12 million on Autzen to break a record, all the money in the world hasn't been enough to buy them a championship yet. <laughs> this has been your update from Eugene. There you go. There you go. So they put in a new screen? Uh, like 186 by 66 feet. It's massive. I want to see this. Is there a picture of it? Yeah. 
I, there is, there is. A guy tweeted it out today. And then on top of that, I think they said they put a screen on the outside to entertain people. Out, I guess so, yeah. So, um, to entertain people outside the stadium. I'm trying to see it. But it's huge. I think there's only one screen bigger, and it's at AT&T Stadium. But in college, Auburn was the largest. Oh, they wait, over- so... Holy smokes, yeah. Huge. Yeah. Makes you wonder what they're trying to compensate for. Yeah. Yeah, all that big smokes. Screen, Yeah, all that big screen and not a single person in the stadium this year is going to be able to enjoy it. So did they turn that whole thing into a screen? Holy smokes. Yeah, it's big. That's big. I wonder if they used the old screen and flipped it around. But I'm not sure. I, that was just they just said there was another screen that was facing outwards. But didn't see it. Was so they built. put so they Okay, so they took down the old screen cuz the old screen kind of had like a little triangle on top. The old yes. There was screen and then there was like scoreboard and then a kind of a triangle on the top where it said it had the Oregon toilet seat O and then it said Oregon underneath it. And now yeah. it doesn't look like it has that anymore. Yeah. Oh, that thing's huge. Mm-hmm. Holy smoke. Dude, dude, 186 by 66 feet. 186 feet. I mean, dude, like, like my property is like 250 feet long. Well, they put it at the other end? That's what I'm guessing. Looks like they put it at the other... Oh, so they have competing competing uh, screen it, now. That's kind of what it looks like to me, and I don't Wait see up. any... I don't see well, any... And that makes more sense because the parking lot's on the other side because yeah. if they, the one side is just facing the practice facility. Yeah, well, and I don't think they can... The other side, I think, is kind of... When they built that scoreboard, was a little bit... Um, it would be hard to tear it all out and redo it. Mm-hmm. With the pilings they've got in there, yeah, so yeah, it looks like there's a whole new screen on the other end. So they'll put a screen on the back side of it that'll face the parking lot where most of the people are. So actually, that it's, screen's actually going to really be facing like the 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 baseball and what soccer fields or softball oh, yeah. fields right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then so part of the twelve million dollars was also uh, sound system too. Oh, okay. Well, good, because it usually sucks up there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyway, massive. That's huge. We've gone off off enough on that. All right, Beach, it is now time to go under further review for week number four in our little NCAA Pick'em Contest with you, me, and Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown. All right. Coming into last week, I got my got my trusty pad of paper here. Just laughs at my yellow legal pad, but I love it. Okay, so first up, uh, coming into the week, you and Kyle were tied at six out of ten. I was at nine out of ten. All right. So Beej, first up, we had number twenty-three Kentucky at number eight Auburn. Who'd you take? Um, dude, I. Did I take Auburn? Yes, we all three did. Auburn quarterback Bo Nix threw for 233 yards and three second-half touchdowns, including a pair to Jay Williams. And number eight Auburn scored twice in the fourth quarter to pull away from the number 23 Kentucky 
for a 29-13 victory in the season opener. Now the Tigers turned a three-quarter scare into a comfortable win by capitalizing on a late turnover and Kentucky's failed fake punt in the lone top 25 matchup of the Southeastern Conference's opening weekend. Hmm. So we all got the point there. Up next, Beach, number 14, University of Central Florida at East Carolina. Um, did I take Central Florida? We all did. Central Florida quarterback Dylan Gabriel threw for 408 yards and four touchdowns to help UCF beat East Carolina 51-28 to on Saturday, winning its American Athletic Conference opener for the fifth straight season in a game marked by the Knights' offensive brilliance and its early trouble with pre-snap penalties. So Gabriel said, you never play a perfect game, but we came out and we put 51 points up, which is true. UCF rolled it up. 632 yards of total offense after amassing 660 in its season opener, getting huge performances from receivers Jalen Robinson and Marlon Williams. But, Beach, UCF also had 19 penalties for 139 yards, 10 of those penalties coming in the first quarter, with seven of those false start flags. Wow. Yeah, and I'm just looking at that going like, you guys better be careful because – that's, that's just sloppiness right there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ten false starts is just sloppiness. Yeah. You start playing yeah, a good well, team, you're going to screw yourself. One or two, you're just really aggressive. That's just being stupid. Yeah. All right, so we all got the point there. Up next, Beach, number 18, Louisville, at number 25, Pitt. Ooh, I'm probably thinking we all took uh, Louisville on that one, didn't we? No, Beach. you and Kyle took Pitt. Oh, that's because it was at Pitt. Mm-hmm. And Louisville got uh, screwed the week before, didn't they? Didn't they lose? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that was what it was. Patrick Jones II collected three of Pitt's seven sacks, helping the Panthers beat number 24 Louisville 23-20 to on Saturday. Now the win pushed Pitt to its best start since 2014 and adhered to a blueprint the Panthers believe can carry them to the conference title game in December. Tough physical defense and just enough offense to get by. Well, so far Mm. it's working. The Panthers held the Cardinals to 223 yards, less than half of what they had been averaging coming in, and never let Malik Cunningham get comfortable. Cunningham completed just 9 of 21 passes for 107 yards with a touchdown and three picks. The last a fourth down interception by Pitt's Jason Pinnock with 119 remaining. Mm. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, do just enough to get by, but have a tough-ass defense. So you and Kyle got the win on that one. Up next, Beach, Mississippi State at number six, LSU. Um, I'm thinking we all took LSU on this one. Correct, Beach. New Mississippi State coach Mike Leach put his air raid offense in the hands of a transfer quarterback – who showed up over the summer, and the results were like nothing defending national champion LSU or the Southeastern Conference has ever seen. K.J. Costello passed for an SEC record 623 yards and five touchdowns, and the Bulldogs knocked off sixth-ranked LSU 44-34 on Saturday. 
Costello's passing yardage in his first game since moving from Silicon Valley to Starksville, Mississippi, eclipsed the 544 yards Georgia's Eric Zaire had against Southern Mississippi in 1993 to set the conference record. And Costello needed most of it to make up for his two interceptions and two lost fumbles, which helped LSU rally to tie the game at 34 before he engineered two late scoring drives. You know, Leach just cracks me up. So Yeah. I, I think he's a hell of a football coach. I just think he's kind of a dick. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to miss him in the Pac-12 though, because he was so much inter- good entertainment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But you know, you know the. Uh, why, why did he bail? Was it just there. a better, better he'd, opportunity? He'd, he'd been looking to bail for a while. Um, you know, being up there at, at Washington State, you're out in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's all I can think is he wanted, and you know, he started his his coaching career at BYU and then spent a lot of time, you know, at Texas tech and Kentucky and stuff down there. So I think he might be more familiar down there. And I think he just sees what that offense can do. Mm -hmm. I also wonder too, how well that offense can do year in, year out. Mm -hmm. Like, does it have a life expectancy where defenses start catching up to you? Well, I I, th- I think every offense has a life expectancy. Yeah. You know, there's only so many years you're going to be able to get away with something before people finally start figuring out how to bust it. Exactly. Exactly. So. And it was funny because uh, LSU kept trying to run man-to-man coverage on some of that stuff, and it just doesn't work. They were just getting worked over. Just getting worked just- over. And and it makes you wonder if they went in there thinking, oh, this guy's first year here, and he's not going to have his crap together. Yeah. You know? That said, LSU did lose like ten start nine or ten starters off their defense last year. Maybe it was maybe it was eight because of uh, they just graduated. Just graduated, and then two of their returners, including their best uh, defensive back, were both out for the game. Got the Rona. Uh, they didn't say. One got sick, but they said it wasn't the Rona, and the other one they they didn't say too. He was just not available. Now, KJ Costello, if you recognize that name as a quarterback transfer, actually played at Stanford for a couple years, was a starter there, but then got hurt at the end of the 2018 season, uh, got hit in the head, had some head issues, and didn't play at mm. all last year, and then transferred mm. out this season. So, way to way to light it up on that first game back after you know, yeah, almost a year and a half away. So. All right, none of us got the win there. Next up, Beach, Duke. At Virginia. Um, Virginia? We all took Virginia. It took Virginia four scheduled opponents to actually get to start their season and four quarters to hit their stride in a 38-20 victory against Duke on Saturday night. Brennan Armstrong and Lavelle Davis Jr. teamed up on a pair of early fourth-quarter touchdown passes, and Virginia forced seven turnovers and pulled away. Now, Armstrong and Davis got it started. The redshirt sophomore quarterback in his first career start hit Davis, a freshman, on an 18-yard fade route in the left corner of the end zone to give the Cavaliers a 24-20 lead. After Joey Blount's interception, Armstrong hit Davis for 26 yards, with Davis pulling away from two Duke defenders about eight yards from the end zone and powering his way in. Hmm. So so Virginia had four games scheduled. They, they Their first three games got canceled or postponed before they were actually able to play their fourth game. Hmm. What a mess, huh? Yeah. So we all got the point there. And Beach, the last game of the week, number two, Alabama at Missouri. Roll 
Triple tied. No, you took Missouri. Oh, did I take Missouri? Yes, you did. I did make the comment roll tight, though, last week. Probably. Yeah. Mac Jones threw for 249 yards and two scores and less than three quarters of work, and Jalen Waddell and Najee Harris had a dynamic performance on offense, helping Alabama roll to a 38-19 victory over the rebuilding Tigers. Um, Damn it. There are some areas to improve. The Crimson Tide had a few too many penalties, a few too many breakdowns on defense, and they allowed Missouri to get finally get its up-tempo offense going against their backups in the fourth quarter. So Kyle and I got the point there. So, Beach, all told up, you got I'm, four points. You're at 10 out of 16. Kyle okay. got five points. He's 11 out of 16. And I got four points. I'm 13 out of 16. Getting, getting a little tighter. Getting there. Getting there. Getting there. So, anyways. We'll I'll be ready. anxious once we can start counting Pac-12 games. Yeah, we'll see that here in a, about a month. About a month. So, um, Beej, I was looking at the polls, and... I didn't know you went that way. The rankings here. So, in the uh, AP poll, there's no Pac-12 schools. Although, interesting... The Big Ten schools have reemerged. Mm. Even though they haven't played a game yet, Michigan comes in at 23, Wisconsin at 19, um, Penn State at 10. So, oh, actually, I take that back, Peach. Oregon showed up at 14. Wow. Yeah, and the, the only team in the back. Now, the only team in the back? Uh, yeah. Well, they're in there, and then also. You've got USC, Utah, and Washington in the others receiving votes category. And Big Ten teams have jumped back into the coaches' poll, but there's no Pac-10 teams there yet. All right. I just found that interesting. But the the, the Big Ten teams were there last week for the coaches. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, just interesting. Okay. All right, Beej, it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? Sure, do. <laughs> Jackass of the Week Award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. Just peeing a fan. Just peeing in the fan. Yeah, peeing in the fan. That's kind of what this week is, Beach. So, Georgia State didn't need to postpone its game on Saturday, Beach, at Charlotte after all. On Sunday, the school announced that its postponement was the result of COVID-19 tests that were read incorrectly. The game has not been rescheduled. Now, Georgia State received the incorrect results from Thursday's tests as it was preparing to leave for Charlotte on Friday, prompting the postponement of the game. Now, the incorrect test results showed four positive individuals and contact tracing identified 17 others, including one coach who would require quarantining. Now, according to Georgia State Athletic Director Charlie Cobb, those in question were retested on Friday. And that night, all the results came back negative. Thursday swabs were retested and came back negative as well. Now, the Panthers, who lost to Louisiana in overtime on September 19th, are set to host East Carolina this coming Saturday. And 
uh, Cobb said in a statement, quote, it was at this point that the lab director informed our medical staff that a human error Friday morning caused the error in test results. The disappointing news is that we could have played on Saturday. More importantly, the positive news is we are not dealing with an outbreak at this time. We appreciate the professionalism shown by Charlotte Athletic Director Mike Hill and Coach Healy throughout the past 48 hours. We look forward to hosting East Carolina on Saturday, October 3rd at Center Park Stadium. Now, Charlotte, which lost its season-opening game to Appalachian State on September, 20, uh, September 12th, had to cancel its September 19th game against North Carolina because COVID-19 positive tests left the team without enough offensive linemen to play. Wow. And, Beach, this is just what I want to bring up, false positives. So when I got back from Florida, I had to take a COVID test so I could get back to work at my work mm -hmm. without – I was working, but I was going in at O dark 30 in the morning, doing what I needed to do and leaving before anybody else showed up. Yeah. It was royal pain in the butt. But I went and took a COVID test. I got back Sunday um, afternoon. Monday I went in and took a COVID test. It was supposed to take two to seven days. I did not get my results back until Sunday, so basically seven days. And when it did, it came back inconclusive. And I wasn't the only one because we had several other employees who had been gone and had to take tests the same time I did. And both of them, inconclusive. Just a waste. Yeah. And so it just makes me wonder how much of this stuff is inconclusive. And on a side note, what, did my inconclusive tests go down as a positive when it comes to reporting? You don't know. I don't know. And yeah. when I took my test, I took the test in Benton County, I got a call not only from the Benton County Health Department, I got a call from the Polk County Health Department. And Why? Guess, and guess what? Neither of them knew the other one had called me. So did I go down as two positive tests? One in Polk and one in Benton? I don't Weird. know, but it just it, this this is what irritates me about that whole thing. But yeah, so because somebody was an idiot and didn't read the tests right, which I don't understand that, they had to postpone their game. So to the moron in the athletic department that misread the tests, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. Anyways, yeah. Um, I also know somebody, Beej that uh, actually tested positive for the Rona a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. They actually got sick for a couple days. They went in, got tested. Their work said you need to go in and get tested. He did. He was already feeling better, got tested, came back positive. Now, this person has, lives in Lynn County, works in Benton County, and his fiance lives in Marion County. He got phone calls from all three health departments, which makes sense when you think about it, because if they have to contract taste for their county, but they none, want to know, but none of but. them knew that the other counties had called. And where does that positive test go down? Does he go Not down as one positive test or does he go down as three? Probably as three. Yep. So. Anyways. It's like they're trying to get high numbers. It's like they actually have I know. a I don't know. some kind of a goal. I don't know. I just don't trust it. I don't trust no, it. I, there's I there's just... no standard. And it's kind of like, um, and this is kind of a horrible thing to compare to, but it's like infant mortality. Right? 
There's no mm-hmm. standard infant mortality definition across the world. So we look at the U.S.'s rate and we say, oh, ours is horrible compared to everybody else. Yes, but ours is the most open. So there's the most, we have the, the widest definition of infant mortality compared to okay. a lot of other. So if we're counting more things as infant mortality, our numbers could be artificially high compared to other places. It's no, not, it's not com- a standard all, definition. All you, all you can compare them to is to your own. Yeah, exactly. Did it increase last year or decrease from last year? If you're not not counting things the same way, it doesn't make any sense. But anyways, Beach, Mm -hmm. it is now time for our musical interlude of the week. And what are you going to grace us with this week? Well, I put this one together pretty quick, but this is a classic. Released in August of 1975, this song peaked at number four on the U.S. country single chart. Written by Tom T. Hall. Now an 84-year-old entertainer, it just proves that beer is also a great preservative. And here is the country classic by Tom T. Hall, I Like Beer. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes him feel mellow. Whiskey's too rough. Champagne costs too much. Vodka puts my mouth in gear This little refrain should help me explain As a matter of fact, I like beer My wife often frowns when we're out on the town And I'm wearing a suit and a tie She's sipping vermouth and she thinks I'm uncouth When I yell as the waiter goes by I like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow I like beer It helps me unwind And sometimes it makes me feel mellow Makes him feel mellow Whiskey's too rough Champagne costs too much Vodka puts my mouth in gear While this little refrain should help me explain As a matter of fact, I like beer Last night I dreamed that I passed from the scene And I went to a place so sublime All the water was clear and tasted like beer Then they turned it all into wine I like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow I like beer It helps me unwind And sometimes it makes me feel mellow Makes him feel mellow Whiskey's too rough Champagne costs too much Vodka puts my mouth in gear All this little refrain should help me explain as a matter of fact I love beer yes he likes beer 
That's a great song, Beach. I always want to play that when it's suds. It's, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Tom Tom T. Hall was a well, he is because he's still around with us. Um, uh, kind of a ballad singer. Always had the kind of just told a story when he sang. Mm-hmm. So talented guy. Anyway, simple, to the point, and fun. There you go. All right, Beach. It is now time to make our picks for week number five. I've got our okay. list here. I've got a six games to go this week. I've got Kyle's picks ready. Okay. And here we go. Pull up Kyle's thing that he sent me. Bam. All right, Beach. So first up this week, number 13, Texas A&M at number two, Alabama. Mm. I'm going to take Alabama. Alabama. I, feel I, too. Like, I felt like, I felt, I felt like uh, Forrest Gump. You she needs to come back home to Greenbow, Alabama. All right, sorry. So Kyle sent me a text, and it says, Greenbow, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, too, am taking Alabama. Up next, Beach, Virginia Tech at Duke. Um, again, Duke sucks, Virginia Tech. You just taking tech. Kyle says Marmaduke. I'm taking Duke. Really? Yep. See, I would have I would have gone Duke, 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 Duke of or or anyway. All right. Uh, next up beach. Ooh. We got a little military rivalry here. Navy I, at Air Force. Remember I have I hate I just don't like these ones. Um, and isn't the Air Force part of the Navy, or no? No, the Marines part of the Marines are part of the Navy, right? Yeah, the Air right, Force sorry. started out as the Army Air Corps, and then they spun it off into its own division, in its own thing. But then the Navy actually the has Na- their own the Navy force has their own pilots too. Yes, there's Navy pilots too. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the Air Force and the Navy are separate. Well, you know what, Maverick is coming out. Mm-hmm. And he would to be, be yeah, but he's supposed to, um, that would be, um, uh, he's a Navy aviator. So I'm going to go with Navy. Okay. I too, I'm taking Navy. Kyle says my buddy just started teaching at the air force Academy. So air force. And he says he's actually in the space force. I saw his patches. And actually I know somebody else that's, uh, Contracting for Space Force. So. Because the Space Force, I think, is part of the Air Force. Shouldn't be called the Space Force because we call it the Air Force. But, of course, we call it Navy. I guess we call it Air Force. Yeah. But you more or less call it the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and Marines. Yeah. So maybe it should be the Space Force. Mm, maybe. Know. All right. Next up, Beach. Number seven, Auburn, at number four, Georgia. Yeah, well, how if I get a if I if I channeled my inner uh, Kyle here, I'd be like, moving to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches. That'd be Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> okay, Kyle says I have an Auburn koozie and have been on campus, so Auburn. I think I'm gonna take Georgia. 
Okay. And next up, number 20, LSU at Vanderbilt. I think LSU is going to recover. We'll give it to LSU. Okay. And two, I'm taking LSU. Kyle says, go Tiger. <laughs> is that how he spelled it? Go, G-A-U-X, go. He puts Tigers, but I like saying it like Ed. He doesn't say Tigers. He goes, go Tiger. There's the S just kind of falls off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last up, Beach. Virginia. Kind of like, like an R in the Northeast. Yeah. Last up, Virginia at number one, Clemson. Uh, let's take Clemson. Okay. I too, I'm taking Clemson, and so is Kyle. All right. We got those done. All right, Beach. Well, that's about all we got this week. You have anything else to add? I got nothing. Are we going to uh, not do the tailgater on the 17th and actually do a tailgater on in November? Yes. Is that the plan? I'm thinking so. Okay. Um, and we will figure that out here soon. I think we are going to skip the one October 17th. We'll plan on doing something on the 7th. Okay. Now, mom and dad won't be there. Mm-hmm. They'll be gone, but we can we can do um, something that day. Might have to do cheesesteaks or something. Okay. Sound good? Sounds and good. You and I will kind of get together, start planning it out, and I'll talk to a couple other people, and uh, we'll set up what we can do. Yep, sounds like a plan. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 145 of Illegal Participation. If you want to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com, HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. Remember, listen, subscribe, leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever podcatcher you use. And until show number 146, Beach, let's have a great big Go Beeves. sitting here in my comfy Oregon State sweatpants that I bought from Sears before they went bankrupt. Uh-huh. And, I, and, I, and I will tell you, these are the nicest pair of uh, sweatpants I've ever had. Really? Yeah. My last purchase from Sears. I think I bought a tool. Did you? Mm. Felt like I had to. You know, I mean, Sears was our childhood. Yeah, it's just kind of weird that has gone. Isn't it? You know, I was thinking today when I was uh, driving – I was thinking, you know, people worry about Amazon. And it's like, you know what? Don't worry about Amazon. Amazon has enough to worry about. Yeah. Right? Just if the government doesn't give them advantages, you know, look look at Sears. Yeah. Look at the Piggly Wiggly. Look yeah. at Myron Frank. Look at General Motors. Yeah. You know, in a free market, they won't last. Not unless I mean, they keep uh, evolving. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, did you watch that documentary on Netflix? Not yet. Oh, it, it's, it's interesting. They constantly grab the next greatest thing at the expense of their current greatest thing. Who? Amazon? Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. I mean, they were making money selling DVDs and yeah. they're like, dude, Walmart's going to get in this and they're going to kick our ass. We need to get onto something else. Mm -hmm. So they dumped the sales and went directly into uh, rentals. Mm -hmm. And then they were doing really good on rentals, but then uh, Blockbuster was going to come in and kick their ass. And so they put, they put all of their eggs into streaming mm -hmm. and, and, and renamed the rental business to try to distance themselves from it. And what was the rental business? Uh, you know, remember that's where Netflix started, where you would rent it. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. But what did they rename it? Oh, uh, something weird, and it pissed everybody off um, because it wasn't even sounded like Netflix. It was something else. Huh. Um, I can't remember. No. But you know the. We were telling the boys the, about Netflix the other day. But but the funny thing was, Blockbuster had them dead to rights. Yeah. Blockbuster went and started doing their own online rental. Um, or not online, but but mail rental. Mm -hmm. They copied, and and they they were interviewing people from Blockbuster. They're like, yeah, we pretty much copied uh, Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing Netflix had was they had regional distribution locations, mm -hmm. um, which we didn't have yet. But we had brick and mortar stores, and so first we wanted to run it separately, and then we got this idea: why don't we leverage it so you can either get them online or you can get them at the rental store? You can swap them either way. Yeah, and. They were they and they got rid of their uh, their uh, late fees, which also hugely boosted Blockbuster's sales, even though it hurt their income. Mm -hmm. um, people hated late fees, and so they were going good. And then they, they they were a division of a larger company at that point in time, mm -hmm. and they had a changing of the guard. So the one guy who actually grew Blockbuster, they sent him packing, and they put in this uh, guy who came from Seven Eleven, and so the the guy who was running Blockbuster, he walked away, took all of his – and he knew what their plans were because they, they told him they didn't want to do this online crap anymore. The guy who came from 7-Eleven said, no, people don't want this online. Look at it. It's losing money. It's worthless. We need to dump this, and we need to put all of it into brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. And so he just shut – overnight, he shut down their online business. Mm -hmm. guy who was running Blockbuster – he had a sizable uh, severance package, mm -hmm. and he invested a large amount of money into Netflix. Really? Yeah. Well, because uh, at one point, Netflix went to Blockbuster, didn't they, try and get bought it? Yeah. Yeah, Netflix was like $50 million in debt. Yeah. And they're like, uh, yeah, we kind of think we should sell. Yeah. How much are you worth? How much should we pay for you? Uh, $50 million. Blockbuster's <laughs> yeah. yeah. like, what? No way. Yeah. We're not paying you that. And But but they they just kept dumping you know i mean they were giving away the online uh streaming service just to get people out there trying it mm -hmm. and uh ultimately even before it was successful they they jumped into it full you know feet first and said here let's do this Very, really interesting i mean just gutsy moves but calculated gutsy moves mm -hmm. so kind of, i guess kind of like amazon i mean amazon lost money for what a decade yeah you know kept trying to to you know i i remember reading an article where they called it amazing because they said it's amazing that it's still open yeah. you know because they were just bleeding money out every year that's what people are always like they make too much money i'm like dude did they lose too much money yeah. for the first 10 years yeah you know i mean yeah so anyway 
Okay, you ready to do this? Yep, you got a you got a uh, uh, song update yes. and a song. Yes, my my update's weak, but I tried. I like beer.